Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. David Fiorazzo is off this morning. Crash Connell filling in this morning on Stand Up For The Truth. A live broadcast today for January 7, 2020. And uh, once again, we welcome back live in our studio, Dave Wager from Nicolay Bible Institute and Silver Birch Ranch. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is open up this show in prayer, sir. Let's do it. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can come to you this moment and enjoy the fact that your presence is all we really need. We ask that during this uh, next hour that somehow the word said and uh, will honor you and glorify your name. We're so thankful for opportunities that we have in this country to have programs like this. And for those who have supported us through the years, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, good holiday for the uh, Wager family. Yeah, always. I mean, the thing that I like at my age is just getting people together. You know, life is so busy. that just getting them together and sitting around and enjoying one another. And, of course, part of my family are deer hunters, so getting them together and they go out early and go out around dusk and try and get some deer as well. So in in that process. Any trophies this year? uh, You know, no, but interesting. My one, my daughter has been trying to... um, got a deer and she hasn't got one yet and uh, i think she shot the leg off one and i think she's done some other things but not really got one yet. Yeah. yeah in fact you know it's funny they they had a three-legged deer and they were very trying to be very humane i, I think sure. they chased it for four hours and this three-legged deer outran them so um anyway in the woods some i guess some wolves or coyotes are gonna have dinner because that's what eventually will happen out it there. all works but, out yeah, yeah it all works out I don't know if a three For those of you that aren't deer hunters, sorry about that, but well, yeah, I I think we're safe to the if listening in Northeast Wisconsin, probably somebody that you or love, someone you love is a deer hunter. Yes. Um. So, uh, the topic this morning that you brought into the uh, studio is confusion in the body, uh, confusion in the church. Yeah, you know, I think that confusion is like the number one tool of Satan to try and um, get people to do nothing. Because when you're confused, have you ever really been confused about anything? Oh, yeah, constantly. Yeah, so what, how do you respond to confusion? I, most of the time what I do is I'm, I just try to listen because uh, right now I'm confused, so yeah. I'm just listening. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, a lot of times, I, I'll give you an example. I've always been confused about taxes, always. I have no idea the tax code. I don't know where they're going half the time. And, and I don't even do taxes anymore. That's how I dealt with it because my kids used to just like stay out of the house and they'd say, oh, dad's doing taxes. Let's go somewhere. Because, it, you know, I got cranky. I didn't understand it. In fact, I often said, you know, I have a master's degree in education. If they would just write this so I understood it, I would do whatever they tell me. But, you know, if a guy with a master's in education can't understand what was written, who wrote this? And what are they trying to accomplish? So my confusion kind of made me angry. And I think there's, there's all kinds of responses. People run away from confusion. People get angry when they're confused. People do nothing when they're confused. 
I mean, it, it really is a tool, I think, of, of Satan. And I think there's so many simple principles that Satan has worked at getting confusing in our world. Let me give you the simplest one. There is a God. I'm not him. If you're confused about that, you know, your life is going to be a wreck. It's, it's not that hard to understand this simple principle. And yet, you know, you go through life and people are saying, how do you know there's a God? And how do you understand there, there's a, a, you know, that he created the universe? And well, how do I understand anybody created a pen? You know, I mean, honestly, there's some logic involved here. And if you look at the universe and you look at creation, your conclusion has to be that somebody actually designed it and made it. And if you conclude anything else, then, I, then you have to also be able to conclude that a pen or a pencil or a book that you're reading had no creator, had no designer, had no, it, it's very possible because you've, you've opened the door to, I think, confusion on every subject. There has to be an order within the universe. Uh, one of the great stories I love to talk about is in the Bible about, about this, so we understand it, is a story about Peter and the last days of Jesus, uh, right before his crucifixion, I think confusion reigned here, and it didn't need to, because Jesus was very clear why he came to earth. And God was very clear on why Jesus was going to come to earth. He was going to come and die. So this thing on the cross should not be a surprise to anybody. But it seemed to be a surprise to everybody. Why do you think that was a surprise to anybody, Crash? Well, because of the uh, the human agendas, um, I, when you're when when you're talking, I'm thinking about those times of Jesus, because uh, the Jewish people were wanting to be uh, released from the uh, tyranny of Rome. Yeah, and it seems like that's always what they were always talking to him about was when when is this going to go away, and um, they didn't have the New Testament in those days, and is. Is we can look back and go. You you can see what the prophets were talking about. They never talked about right. J- Jesus that way. Right. But they, they they when you said Messiah, they're going oh, save us from right tyranny right from Rome. So why didn't the disciples that were there get it when it was going on? I, I mean, d- didn't they understand I, this? You would think they did. Now was Jesus a bad teacher? No. So, so but, it wasn't. But when there was wisdom spoken, what did Jesus? I think at the time when he said that uh, that that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told you right. that. So what we have to understand is that it's not always. If you're out there trying to blame teachers for your problem, you know God isn't a bad teacher. He knows how to teach, and and he loves you, and he's con- trying to communicate with you in the in the Bible. You need to pick it up and read it and see what it says, and then when you do that, it clears a lot of the confusion. There's. Confusion is not a spiritual gift. It isn't a fruit of the Spirit. It's not listed as that. In fact, if you're confused, that's not from God because God is not a God of confusion. And the Bible makes that very clear. So I always tell people, if you're confused about something, that's not of God because confusion doesn't happen that way. Now, you may wonder about something. That's a little different than confusion, I think. You may wonder how God spoke and the world came into being. I mean, I understand that. But think about this. I want to set up the scene here. So there's a Remember Jesus in the garden and the, and the guards came to get him? Mm-hmm. And who took out their sword and tried to chop somebody in half? That was Peter. Yeah. So he, he, only somehow he missed and didn't slice the guy in half. I, I don't know if the guy had a helmet and just glanced off it or whatever. I, do, you, do you know what kind of skill it would take to chop an ear off? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that's 
And you do it accidental. So that, that was kind of weird. But, but the ear came off this guard. Now, I wanna, let's just look at this picture for a second. So Peter gets up. He's saying, I am going to defend God. Now, for a moment, I'm thinking, really, Peter? Like God needs you to defend him. First of all, you've got this messed up. God doesn't need you to defend him. He could speak, and everybody that's coming after him is dead. You know what I mean? So I understand what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. But this isn't the plan, and God's going to show you this isn't the plan. Because the plan from the beginning was that Jesus was going to die. So don't be confused about that. Because the plan is that Jesus is going to die, there has to be something that takes him to death. And so Peter takes out his sword. He wipes this guy's ear out. I Think about this moment, Crash. Think about the moment. Jesus bends over, picks up the ear or something, and puts it back on, heals it. What would you be thinking if you were in the crowd at this point? You just watched this whole interaction. I, If I was one of the guards, I might be rethinking about what I'm doing right now. He just put his ear back on. Yeah, the only ones that shouldn't be confused are the disciples. But but I think in this moment, everyone's confused. Because Peter comes out, I'm going to do this for God. And God's thinking, I don't need you to do that for me. And he tells it, so, so Jesus heals guy. What I'm amazed at is that these soldiers ask, actually arrested him. I mean, if, if, if this happened to you, Crash, let's say you were soldier A, and, and you, know, you got your ear chopped off. And, and all of a sudden, it's on the ground, and you're holding your ear like, ow, that hurt, you know? And Jesus goes, oh, excuse me, puts it back on. No pain. Everything's good. Right. Would you still arrest him? I would imagine uh, under, the, uh, under the power of, uh, of my boss back at the uh, palace, these were palace guards, I'm going like, uh, well. <laughs> yeah, but you just got an ear chopped <laughs> out of off. Fear, yeah, out of fear. And again, like you're talking about the confusion of it all. Uh, all the disciples ran. All yeah. of them ran. Who, who should you fear, though, if a guy chops your ear off and, and somebody puts it back on? You're fearing the guys with the swords? I mean, this is where confusion reigns to me. It's like, what is this soldier thinking? And why would you continue your duty here? Anyway, it's not my point. I, I mean, it's confusion there. So Peter's confused. The soldiers are now confused. The whole world is confused at this point. This was the guy a week ago that they were putting palm branches down and declaring him as king. Right. The whole world is confused. Now, if if somebody that we trusted, if all of a sudden, uh, let's say when Billy Graham was alive or something, somebody you know the government arrested Billy Graham, what would you think? What would you be thinking if they arrested back Billy, when he was alive? Yeah, back when he was alive. Let's say all of a sudden you get a report. I would. I would I would assume he did something bad. Exactly, exactly. So that would put a conflict of thought in your brain probably. It's like, wait, this is Billy Graham. He's got all these things set up. He's got all these. But the government must know something. Right. If if they went after him, they must know something about him. So I would think that the world right now that's watching, and I know they didn't have mass media back then, but the world that's watching this is very confused. Because it's like, wait a minute, isn't this the guy that we just put palms down for? Isn't this the guy that heals the sick? Isn't this the guy that calmed the storm? Isn't this that guy? What did he do wrong that the government, you know, what did he do wrong? Now they're arresting him. And then Peter takes out his sword, tries to defend him, puts the ear back on. Everybody, I think, the soldiers, the disciples, the crowd, 
everybody but God is confused. Well, even uh, in one of the Gospels, Jesus said, I, I taught in the temples. Right. Why didn't you come after me then? Right, right. I what, mean, everybody. Like, tell me what I did wrong. What's the charges? Exactly. So what I want to do is, is kind of like look at this confusion some more and show how it can be resolved. Uh, in, in Luke, I mean, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 69, I'm going to read some scripture to you here. This is now after Peter is warned that he's going to deny Christ before the, the rooster crows. And uh, obviously they picked up Jesus and it says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, a servant girl, by the way, just a little kid. You also were with Jesus, the Galilean, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. You know, it's interesting crash. I'm just going to stop there for a second because I've heard people tell me that uh, once you're a believer, you've actually put your trust in Christ. If you deny Jesus, you're no longer in his family. This really doesn't happen with Peter. He denies him three times here. And he's still, in fact, he leads the church. So I, I think, I've heard some scholars say he denied him in front of Jesus. Jesus yeah. could hear him. Oh, denying. absolutely. Yeah, it, it's clear that he was in view of Jesus. Earshot. Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to rethink your theology if you think that, because your salvation has been based upon the time in your life where you've understood that you're a sinful person and that God loved you and sent Jesus to die for your sins. And you put your trust in Jesus, not in your ability to love Jesus, but your trust in Jesus. And then it's a growth process from there. I mean, and that's just what happens. So now Peter, this girl comes up, verse 70, but he denied it before all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Verse 71, and when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, isn't it interesting how kids stand up and say things when, you know, adults won't say anything? They're, they're just, all, all the adults are thinking these words. They're thinking them. And two little girls so far have to come and go, hey, isn't this the guy that was with Jesus? And everyone else was saying it in their head but not doing anything. And uh, this is the man with Jesus of Nazareth in verse 72. And again, he denied it with an oath this time. With an oath, he denied it. He said, I don't know the man. Now, I want to stop here again, and I want to defend Peter, if I can. I think Peter was legitimately confused. And when he said, I don't know the man, I think he thought he knew the man. He thought he knew what he was about. He thought he knew that Jesus came to save his people, but he thought it was a king. and he thought it, So I think he was totally confused at this point. And I think he's actually honest. He's, he's th- you know, it'd be like... like yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, I... I I'm not sure I know this man. Yeah. It would have probably been the, the, the you know. Right. It'd be like the if right I, responses. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. You know, Crash, you're a friend of mine. So let's say I walked in the station and you walked up to me and said, bozo, and you slapped me and, and walked away. I would sit there and go, who was that? I, why did, see, I would be totally confused because your actions at that point don't fit what I really think our relationship is. And I think this is what's happening with Peter. I think he's honestly and legitimately confused. He, you know, Peter was a typical, I think, um, extreme extrovert. When Jesus was talking, he was probably thinking about something else. 
And I don't think he got the whole picture, yet Jesus was going to want to use him to lead the church. And so after a little while, verse 73, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Now some of the older ones probably are getting involved because two girls already said it. And this is the third time somebody came to him. The third time Jesus was probably an earshot of him. And the third time that Peter's going to deny Jesus. Verse 74, then he began to evoke a curse on himself and to swear. I'm telling you, he denies Jesus, curses himself, starts swearing, and God's going to use this man eventually to lead the church. That's interesting. I do not know the man. Again, notice what he said. He said the same thing he said to the girl earlier. I don't know him. And I, and I think that shows his confusion personally. And immediately the rooster crowed. Oh, what timing. What timing. <laughs> Because what did Jesus say? Verse 75, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, can you imagine? In fact, I used to do a seminar where I just called it um, suicide and rooster crows. And uh, because you go on here and and it says, and he went out and he wept bitterly. So, So what happened here is Peter went out and he wept. Does it say why he wept? It, well, I'm gonna. I know why he wept, right? Well, it doesn't say. I mean, did he weep because he was embarrassed? Did he weep because he was wrong? Did he weep because he actually understood things? I think it all just came crashing down on him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, your speculation is as good as mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm just speculating because all it says is that he went out and wept. We also know that there's another disciple that does something else. In 27, uh, chapter 27, when morning came, all the chief priests. And elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate and the governor. Now, here's the other guy. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind, brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. Right. Now, what's interesting is that in Peter's life, there was this rooster crow. And that rooster crow brought him back because the, another one of the, the gospels says, when the rooster crows, he looked over and his eyes caught Jesus' eyes. Right. And that's when he went out and wept. Now, Judas, Peter was here. Peter was in a position to find answers. When that rooster crowed, he was in a position to find the answer, even though he messed it up. Judas was not. Judas had tried to get money, get away from it, but he heard what happened. He felt guilty. He was just trying to get rid of his guilt. He wasn't trying to find truth. He was trying to get rid of guilt. And just trying to get rid of guilt doesn't solve anything. And I think in my life I've seen it. There have been rooster crows. And there's been other times where I've tried to do it some other way and it doesn't work. And I just stay in this pattern of, of, of misery. And Judas had this pattern of misery and couldn't get out of it. So I find that interesting that there, it's, in this case, it was be in the place where you can find the answer and, and survive and, and begin to go on and actually lead the church or be like Judas and realize, boy, I'm guilty. I can't do anything about it and feel like you can't do anything about it. And that doesn't end well. 
visiting with Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. Confusion in the body and the church. More when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. David is off today, crash filling in, and our guest live in our studio today for this Tuesday is uh, Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute, trying to clear confusion in the uh, church and in the body. And uh, what? where do we get grounded here? You know what, I, I think we have to be very careful who we listen to, because if we listen to certain people, you end up being confused. People who tell you the truth do not confuse you. They tell you things that are very simple to understand. And if you heard the beginning of the program, it was, you know, there's a God. Dave Wager's not him. We need to respond to him. That's pretty simple. And what happens is we begin to develop trust in people through the years, and we trust those people to to deal honestly with us. And if they ever break that trust, we get confused because we don't know what to believe then. That's why the Bible is the foundation for everybody. You, You go into the Bible, you read it, read it through every year. The most important thing I do every year still is read the Bible through cover to cover. It's not that hard to do. Just get up every day, read some of the Bible. By the end of the year, you'll hopefully get through it. And and what you have then is a context for what you're reading in other places or studying in other places. The Bible is the best commentary in the Bible. You don't need Dave Wager. You don't need Crash to help you. You, you need the Bible to comment on itself. And if you know what it says, you'll be okay. Um, so often on a, a, the various podcasts I do, I remind people that, you know, if you're disappointed with God, you just don't know him. If you're confused, you don't know God. If you're angry with God, you don't know him. And they look at me like, oh, that's so simple. It really is, but it's true. If you knew God, you would not be disappointed in him. And so those are all flags in your life that if that happens, you need to do something different because there's no reason you should be disappointed in God. Now, you might say, you just spread guilt. I'm not spreading guilt. I'm saying, if you are, that's a sign that you have to go back and get to know him. You know, look at Peter here. Peter is a guy, he pulled out the sword, he knocked somebody's ear off. Jesus put it back on, said, stop it in a way. And they went, and, they, and then he sits, and he, you know, two little girls come up to him, and he denies them. Other people come up to him, and he denies them, he curses. Okay, so obviously, Peter's a confused man. So after Jesus is crucified, not only was Peter confused then, but what did he do? He went back to his old life. He, he just went back to his old life. So, so those that think that after you actually are in God's family, if you deny him, you go back to your old life, you can't be a believer anymore? That's obviously not true in the case of Peter. So if it's obviously not true in one case, how can it be true in all cases? You know, and, and so here we go, and I'm going to change Gospels on you here because I want to look at it a little later in the story and I'm not changing Gospels for any other reason except for it's written well in John, and I want to read it to you in that one. So John 21, verse 1. It, he, this is the context. This is after you know the crucifixion, and Jesus is going to appear to seven of the disciples here. So after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were gathered together. Not sure why just two other disciples, but they named some of them and just left two of them out of the list. Uh, now, can you imagine they're out in a boat, they went back to their old life, they're fishing. What do you think they're talking about here at Crash? 
<laughs> what just happened? Yeah, confusing. I mean, right. they're, they're probably trying to sort it out. So I, this is my guess. I don't know, but I love playing games with my brain here. So I'm trying to figure out, if I'm out there with a bunch of guys fishing, you're not just thinking fish all the time. You're, you're talking about something. And I'm sure they're thinking, you know, Peter, nice move on the denial thing. Hey, Peter, ni- nice chop. You, you got to learn how to chop people in half because you missed. You know, I mean, whatever they're talking about, I don't know. But it's, it's like, you know what? We gave all these years to following Jesus, and he got crucified. What does that mean now for us? Where are we? What is going on here? Let's go back to something we know for sure, fishing. We know how to do right, that. Right. So the third verse, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. So again, Peter's the leader. There's no doubt. If Peter's going to chop ears off, everyone's going to try and chop ears off. That's obvious he's got that gift. They went out, got into a boat, but the night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Don't you love how he called them children? Why did he call them children? I don't know. Again, the Bible does not say. But I think there's a reason for all this. Uh, Children can be very irrational. They can do things. You know, if, if a child loses temper or that kind of thing, you just kind of roll your eyes and do something to help them not do that. I almost think Jesus was looking at Peter like, child, you know what I mean? You got to get through this. Because if you get through this on the other side, Peter, you'll be a great leader. I think those that are listening to us crash, there's things they have to get through. And if they get through them, they'll be a great leader. And, and this is one of those moments for Peter. Remember, he chopped an ear off. He denied Jesus. He went back to his old life. He's got to get through this because this isn't what God had for him. But he's forcing the issue here. So, so anyway, he says, children, um, you know, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Once again, I'm not a fisherman, but I, I guess this is not good advice. I mean, they, they fished all night. They're professional fishermen. They, what is this guy talking about out there? So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Yeah, isn't it interesting how easy God can clear the confusion? <laughs> I mean, it's like, hello, I'm God. Let me just do a very simple thing in your life. You got no fish. I arranged that. I am now talking to the fish, telling them all to hit the nets. And they're going to hit the nets now. So much so that you're going to be convinced that I am God. And it's, it's good that they obeyed. They didn't say, you don't think we've tried that? Right, right. They obeyed. Right. Now, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, and you know that's John, who said, that's always how he's identified, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for his strip for work and threw himself in the sea. This shows confusion right here. Why would you put a coat on exactly. and jump in the water? Right. It's cold. Yeah, you know. Anyway. <laughs> or I want to be dressed when I get, get to the yeah, shore. Either way, I think Peter was this epitome of confusion at this point. From the, the time he chopped the ear off to the confusion with who God is to now in the boat. I mean, he just showed signs of like a confused man. Then the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. I, I think it's funny that the other guys had to do the work. I mean, Peter just jumped in the water and went, and the other guys had it. Peter, 
We got to drag all this fish in now by ourselves without you. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. What, what's the significance of that, do you think? I wonder, first thing I thought, where'd that come from? Yeah. Not only that, they mentioned the kind of fire, charcoal fire. Hmm. The fire that he denied Jesus at was a charcoal fire. It has a certain smell to it. You think one of those things I uh, never, I never connected. That. Well, you know, it may not be a connection. I'm just making the connection. So, wouldn't it be interesting if Jesus just wanted to get a whiff of that and get a memory of it yeah. right now? Yeah, yeah. You remember the last time you smelled this, Peter? What you did? Because here, here's the interesting thing that's coming up here. Obviously, Jesus is going to do something with Peter that ends the confusion on Peter's role because Peter's confused. He is. Yeah. He's he's not following Jesus anymore. He doesn't think he's worthy to follow Jesus, probably. He thinks that he's a loser, probably. I mean, he can't even chop a guy in half right. I, I would, I, You know, if I'm Peter, I'm out there licking all my wounds, thinking what a stupid well, guy I am. about all night long, not a fish yeah, in the net? Yeah, I mean, loser, loser, loser. He's got all these L's all over him. And, and so they got on the land, they saw the charcoal fire in place, and the fish laid out on it. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Again, I don't know why they need to do that. I, he's already got them laid out, cooked. But I, whatever, he just does that. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. So now Simon Peter's going because he got ordered. He's convinced it's Jesus. He's, he, think about what Peter's thinking here, though. You just got crucified. I, this is not this is not helping my confusion you know I mean you got crucified you're standing here talking to me you somehow you shouldn't be here so I'm thinking okay it's still not it's still not cleared for him at this point but he goes back it's easier to go back to the fish and bring him in because that he understands just bring the net uh, in and get some fish Jesus said to them Coming at breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So here, here they are. There's, can you believe, have you ever been in a place where there's been awkward silence? Yeah. <laughs> I think here it's like, can you imagine disciples looking at each other going, yeah, pretty good fish. <laughs> you know I mean, oh, thank you. That bread is really swell. You know I mean? But nobody's saying anything. Nice morning. Yeah, no, nobody's saying anything, you know, and, and it's like, okay, awkward moment. So the 13th verse, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to all of them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples. So this is time number three. So we got to do something here now to help Peter get over this confusion because Peter's still living in this wallowing in confusion. So in, in, in 21st chapter, the 15th verse, it said, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, more than what? More than fish? More than the other people? More than more than what? More than these? We don't get a we don't get the glimpse of what Jesus is gesturing to mm -hmm. at this point. But you know the context is pretty simple. Um, he was either fishing so he could feed the people or he was fishing to make money, or he was 
in love with the fish or something. Who knows? But but whatever it was, Jesus was motioning to something. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, there's th- there's a couple significant things here. Right. This is very important. You know, yep. one is Jesus says, do you agape me? And he answers honestly and says, I phileo you. So mm-hmm. he he's saying something very simple here. He's saying, you know what? I'm not where I belong yet. Yep. I understand I'm not where I belong yet. I'm not lying to you. So Peter right. is starting. Here's what I love. He's starting to come out of his confusion because he is talking truth now. Right. He's not lying. He's talking truth. And he's been convinced of the truth, maybe through all the circumstances that just came about, but he's convinced of the truth. And not only that, I love what Jesus said about feeding his lambs. Those are the little ones. Feed the little ones. Feed the children. Take care of the children. Okay, now now that's significant because when he says feed them, is he talking about with fish? No. Because he's told him that before, I can make you fishers of men. Now he's using the lamb analogy. Feed the lambs. Be a shepherd. You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, there's a book I'm reading, a guy who went and lived with shepherds uh, for a year. And one of the, the things that uh, he asked uh, the shepherds was, what is it that qualifies you to be a shepherd? And the immediate answer was, you have to have a heart for the sheep. It wasn't that you knew sheep science. It wasn't that you were tall and strong and could beat lions off at a glance. It wasn't that you had a big family so you could watch a lot of sheep. It was that you had to have a heart for the sheep. And the guy that he was interviewing went on to say, yes, my two sons have no heart for the sheep, so I will not give them sheep. And, and what, what has been clear throughout all of the Bible is that there are shepherds that are good shepherds. And those shepherds have a great desire for the health of the sheep. I think that all of us, uh, Crash, should be shepherds to a certain degree and understand that the lambs in our life, the young people, the the small ones that need attention, we need to make sure they're cared for. We need to to make sure that their needs are met. We need to make sure that we go out of our way to, to provide for them. And Jesus starts there. And you know what's even more interesting is he's acknowledging to Peter because Peter said, I phileo you. Mm-hmm. They're acknowledging that Peter is not ready for this, but he tells him to do it anyway. If you're waiting to get to the point where you have it all together to serve God, you're waiting too long. God uses sinful people because there's no people that are sinless. And when we recognize our sin, we need to be honest, like Peter is. We need mm-hmm. to confess our sins. And what happens is the confusion starts to melt away. Because this is really not about Peter. This is about Jesus. And Peter's got to quit making it about Peter. So Jesus answers him and just says, his answer is simple, feed my sheep. Then he says it a second time. Do we have time to keep going here? Yep. Okay. Uh, In the 16th verse, he says a second time to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Okay, twice now, Jesus asked him, twice Peter was honest with him and said, yeah, you know what? I kind of, um, I'm in it for me. I kind of like you 
for what I get out of it. But I don't agape you, God. And Jesus is not, notice that Jesus is not saying, well, you bad guy. Rather, what's happening here is Peter is being honest with where he really is at. He's finally understood where he's at, and that is the key for any of us to come to God in our simple honesty and say, God, I am not worthy. And God goes, I know, feed my lambs. And now he says something different. He changes what he tells him. He says, tend my sheep. Now, th- those are two different instructions. Right. And so he's, he's telling Peter, you are going to be a shepherd man. Right. He's using, uh, I love Jesus, he, he's one of those great teachers that gets mixed analogies because he's, he's using fishing. <laughs> he's cooking fish while he's talking sheep. And all of those pictures for um, all those pictures for Peter make some make sense. You know, he's out there fishing. He's got bait. He's got this kind of thing. I need to do that with men. And then the lambs, he understands how you got to take care of them. The good shepherd lays down his life for his for his flock, so he understands that. So he's beginning to pick it up here. But twice in a row, he was asked the same question. The only difference at the end was what Jesus told him to do. And uh, I think uh, the next part will take a while, so maybe we need to take a little break here and then All right. go from there. All right. Visiting with Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. Confusion in the church and in the body. We'll have more in a little bit. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Crash in for David. He's uh, off today. We're live with Dave Wager. And uh, we covered the first two Do You Love Me's uh, with uh, with Peter in that confusing time. And now we're starting to see the light bulb come on. Yeah, now. we are. And what's really cool is how Jesus is working Peter. And obviously, Jesus is God. He knows how to get somebody to where they need to be. And he's working Peter to get there. I mean, go back again in the timeline. He chopped a guy's ear off. God put it back on. He gets crucified. Peter denies Jesus before the crucifixion. Now he's going fishing. This is the third time he's shown himself after. Peter's been confused now for a period of time. And now, at least Peter is dealing honestly face-to-face with God. And if, if our listeners get nothing else out of it, you know, crash, I'm to understand, deal honestly, prayer, prayer to prayer with God. Just talk to him. Tell him what you're really thinking. He knows what you're really yes, thinking. Yes, amen. I mean, <laughs> you can't. Let him guide you through that. He's guiding Peter through this. He's guiding him. Because here, here we go. The third one, he switches, and he's guiding Peter. And he, and he says to him a third time in verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He changes it. In other words, he's acknowledging the fact that Peter said, I phileo you. He's not pressing that anymore. He's saying, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. Right. So I'm going to ask you in your context now. Right. Do you phileo me? And he, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. See, it was like, you know that's all I'm at. You know that's where I'm at. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, this is the whole flock feed. Right. So he, he changed, and I'll let somebody else diagnose the difference between feed the lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. But the bottom line is what Jesus did after each one of these was to be able to tell Peter, Peter, I, as God, know where you're at. I've chosen you to lead the church. Would you get going, please? 
if, if I could put it in Dave Wager language, I could hear Jesus saying, you know, Peter, it's pretty good this church isn't about you. It's about me. So why don't you go as an imperfect person and make it about me, the perfect person, and you'll be okay. And I think if I ever drew a very important distinction in the Bible for Dave Wager, that's it. The church is not about Dave Wager. It's about God. Dave Wager is a frail human being who can sin, who does sin, who, who is confused at times, maybe because I deserve to be confused because I don't pay attention enough, maybe because I'm just confused, maybe because I was blonde as a kid. Oh, sorry, all you blonde people out there, nothing meant by it. I'm, I was. And the bottom line really is, God knows how to take Dave Wager through the confusion if I keep coming to him. And I need to keep coming to him, and I need to be honest with him so that I can get through the confusion and no longer be confused. Because here's what happens. If Peter really understands what Jesus is saying, he just realized the church is not about my perfection. It is not about my gifts. It's not about my talents. It's not about my ability not to sin. It's about Jesus and his faithfulness. If I make the church about Jesus and his faithfulness, I can lead the church. If I make it about me, I'm going to fail the church. And that's my advice to everybody in the church right there. It isn't about you. It's about Jesus. Let's make it about him. Now, those in prison, those who have made mistakes in life, those who are in the middle of making a mistake, look, it's time to confess that sin and get right with God and realize that since it's not about you, you need to go about your father's business in the context that you have. And I realize that in some cases, there have been opportunities that may never be restored, but that's not your business anymore. Your business is to look forward and say, you know, God, forgive me for making this about me. I need to make it about you. And if I make it about you, the confusion will drip away. And that's important for, for each of us. Uh, this chapter goes on in the 18th verse, says, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch your, out your hands and another will dress you and carry where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him something very simple, two words, follow me. That's it. Follow me, Peter. Just follow me. Boy, I, you know, I can do that. I love it. Every once in a while, I'll stop when I'm reading the Bible and I'll say, God, I could do that. That I could do. I can't change the world. I can't change politics. I can't, I can't go and talk to the leaders of Russia and get them to love you, God. I, I, I can't. I, there's so many things in this life that I can't do. And if I focus on all those, I think, oh, God, nothing will ever change. And Jesus is saying, you know, can you feed my lambs? Oh, sure, I can. Can you tend my sheep? Yeah, I, I could do that. Can you feed my sheep? Sure. Can you just follow me? Oh, I could do that. Well, let me warn you before you even say I could do that, that and in this life, it could get pretty rough if you follow me. I, and it will. Not because of anything else. Let me ask you this, this sheep analogy, you know, Crash, and uh, again, my wife and I wrote a book for kids on the 23rd Psalm. I love the idea of sheep. And one of the things that, I, that I, I try and instill is that sheep have enemies they never asked for or even deserve. So a, a lamb is born, 
And that lamb immediately has enemies. Why, Crash, would a lamb have enemies? What did the lamb do to anybody? Nothing. So why the enemies? Because the enemies just want to kill the lamb for their own pleasure, for their own good. And they will kill the lamb if they have the opportunity to do so. Just by the virtue that the lamb is a lamb, it has enemies. Just by the virtue that I am a child of the king, I have enemies. For me to go around and say, why is life rough? Why do I have enemies? Why do they hate me? No, the fact that I am a child of the king means I have enemies. And I didn't do anything to deserve them. I didn't. I didn't go out there and say, you know, I didn't call my enemies a name and run and hide. I didn't do that. I I didn't make fun of anybody. It's just like, no, the fact that you're a lamb, the fact that you're with the lamb of God, the fact that you're a sheep in God's pasture, there are wolves, there are there are coyotes, maybe, all around the pasture waiting for you to make a false move so that they could destroy you for their own pleasure. And it doesn't have to make sense to you. You can't, you know, I think too many times we that are believers are sitting there thinking, what did I do to deserve this? I don't know. Think of a lamb. So a wolf is looking at a lamb, just drooling. His teeth are showing. And a lamb looks up at its mama lamb and says, what did I do to deserve this? And the mother says, you're a lamb. That's the best you can do? I'm a lamb? (laughs) That's the best I can do, dear. Now, eat your grass. How can I eat my grass? Our shepherd, he set this table before you in the presence of your enemies. He'll take care of you. Eat the grass. But I would like them to be nice. Can Can I go try and talk to them? So how would it work if a lamb could go bargain with a wolf you don't have to be a biologist no uh, an expert in lambs to know how that's going to work i'm just not sure that would work actually so you see what we as believers need to understand we're sheep in god's pasture we have enemies we didn't ask for this shouldn't be confusing so when when we're hated because we love god And by the way, we don't go and try and be hated. That's not what the Bible says. A lamb doesn't go out there, stick its tongue out at the wolf, and then run away when it gets close to the shepherd. It doesn't do that. It stays away from the wolf. So we don't do anything to be hated. Well, I mean, 10 years ago, I just did this big study for myself on why does he call us sheep. And when I really dug into how it's got to be the dumbest animal. Mammal. It's got to be the dumbest yep. mammal on the earth. Yep. I don't know of anything. It, and, and it talks about how Jesus said, uh, the uh, sheep will know me by my voice. I'm the great shepherd and things like that. So all of the, it was years ago, and I'm going, man, he calls us the dumbest animal yep. on the planet that he ever created. Well, you know what? I, I used to think that, and I agree, I think, to a certain degree. But, uh, you know, uh, they will li- literally walk off a cliff. Well, right. But here, here's what I found out about sheep when I was researching them. It's, I don't know if it's dumbness or not. It, we could call it that. But they have this insatiable desire to follow. They're followers. And when I think about that, I see that's exactly what Satan exploits in Dave Wager. He wants me to follow the wrong one. And that one's going off the cliff. And, and the shepherd is the one that 
kind of wax them over so it keeps them from well, going if, over the cliff. If they can't stay in the bunch, then uh, they'll, they'll break their legs. Right. You keep walking off. Right. So the shepherd has to break their legs so they can't yeah. walk off anymore. Well, the, the thing again is, I had to ask myself the same question. God, do I have this insatiable desire to follow? And I think that actually the answer is yes. I think that God created us with this desire to follow and that's why he ended in John twenty-one nineteen to Peter saying, follow me. If you're going to follow Peter, I don't want you to be confused as to who you're following. You make sure that you know that you're following me. And God said that to him. And likewise, that's my choice. I mean, today, look at all the, the people vying for us to follow him. You know, philosophy-wise, uh, politically-wise, nationally-wise, religious-wise. There's so, much, so many out there that are just deceiving and cunning and getting because they're playing on the idea that we follow and trying to get us like these herds or flocks to just all go the same direction. And uh, the politicians especially, they work at this, this flock thing. Let's get as many people as we can to go this direction. You know, from Hitler to Stalin to many of the politicians in the United States. And I, and I know, don't write me and say, you just compared all our politicians to Hitler and Stalin. I'm saying the ideology of just getting people to follow and figuring out how to do it. Um, obviously, you could use fear for that. You could use persuasion for that. You can go back to... Uh, well, it's guy, also marketing, you know. Right. You can go to Edward Bernays, who is Freud's nephew, and how he did all the marketing things. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can get people to follow. But, but the bottom line is, what they're doing is playing up on, on a way that God made us. He made us with this need to follow. And Satan works that gene. He works it. So it's not unusual for people to follow. When I, when I talk to a young person about peer pressure, you know, I, it, a lot of times they think, well, you know, you're an old grandpa kind of guy, so you probably don't have peer pressure. Now, peer pressure is always there. It is always there for everybody. Because we have this genetic desire, if you want to call it, this mental desire to follow somehow. And, and Satan will try to exploit it. I have to be in the Word so I know. In fact, I need to let God be God and let him do his responsibilities, and I need to do mine. Mine is to follow. Mine is to make it about him. And then in the 20th verse here, you know, he, he goes on, and it's, it's interesting how he keeps making Peter focus. In the 20th verse, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, and the one who also had leaned his back against him during the Last Supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about this man? Now, here's what I love. Now, Peter's trying to divert attention again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I get it, God. And he looks back at this disciple that had a great relationship with Jesus and pretty much said, what about him? How's he going to die? Yeah, what, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. Peter, not your responsibility. What is your responsibility, Peter? Follow me. And, you know, I've used that in my own life so many times where I'm starting to think, well, what about this person, God? What, what about that person? And, and it's almost as if I'm doing the same thing Peter did here with John. And I have to stop and say, what about Dave Wager? What's Dave Wager supposed to do? And the answer would be, follow God. Yeah, but what about, no, 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 Dave, 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 back the bus up. I'll take care of him. I'll take care of her. I'll do that. That's my job as God. You follow me. 
you be committed to feeding my lambs, tending my sheep, feeding my sheep. You be committed to following me and let the chips fall where they fall and you won't be confused. You won't know either where they're going, but you won't be confused because it's me you trust. And and as I've said, probably every show I've been on with you, Crash, God is older than me, smarter than me, and loves me. I can trust him. And I have to get to that point where as I follow him, I realize, God, you are older than me and you are smarter than me. And I, I need to trust you. But just so you know, this is how rumors in the church start. In the 23rd verse, it said, so the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciples, that this disciple was not to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that shows like what happens in a public setting and a church setting so often. This was said, it was said, and who knows, you know, who was in that conversation with Jesus? Peter. Who told the disciples this then? Peter. So it's not that Peter got perfect after this whole episode. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, okay, I'm not going to sin anymore. Uh, There's some that believe that Peter was a guy that eventually was, you know, perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there's no indication of that, you know, in the Bible. Uh, I think he had a heart for the sheep. I think he understood he had to follow. I think just like all of us, he was committed to a growth process and he needed to be. And, And when he wasn't committed to it, Jesus intervened and forced him to be committed to it. Yep, quite a bit. And... That's the way life is. And I need to understand that I might as well be in this process where I'm continually identifying the sin of my life, confessing the sin of my life, and making it about God, his mercy, his grace, not about my perfection. And when I do that, I'm okay because I'm no longer making it about Dave Wager. And it can't ever be about Dave Wager. It's got to be about God. When I make it about Dave Wager, confusion reigns because the universe is not about me. And my brain knows that. Everything in the world does not revolve around me. And I know that. So confusion reigns. Confusion reigns. Our guest today is Dave Wager from Nicolay Bible Institute, Silver Burst Ranch. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Definitely out of time here. Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. How does one get in touch with you if they have to? SilverBirchRanch.org or NicolayBibleInstitute.org. Sign up now for next fall classes. We'll look forward to seeing you. Always a pleasure having you on the show. And it's Crash Hit for David Fiorazzo. Keep focusing on the things that matter.